This message is brought to you by Nuveen. Nuveen has provided investment excellence for 125 years with expertise across income and alternatives. Nuveen continues to expand its capabilities while maintaining its legacy as a leading investment manager. Visit Nuveen.com to learn more. Investing involves risk. Loss of principle is possible. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Money Beat. I am Paul Vigna. I'm Stephen Grosser. And you know what we have for you today? Another thrilling, thrilling episode of Money Beat Book Club. That is right. We've got a packed studio here today. Uh, today we are discussing a book called... The Everything Store, Jeff Bezos and the Age of Amazon. We will discuss it among ourselves. And in the second segment, we will be bringing on the author, Brad Stone, to talk about the book. I am joined in the studio today by Spencer Jacobs. Spencer, say hello to everybody. Hi, everybody. Uh, ben Eisen. Hi, everyone. Ben, who, who, who Ben the, created the book, book club, club is his idea. The book club is his idea. So Ben has to be in for these. It's my child. Yes. yes. And Aaron Kurloff, who is in the studio today, but is often called in from vacation <laughs> for book club because he loves it so. On the slopes of uh, Upper New York, upstate yeah, New York. I would like to request that uh, we reschedule this for some time when I can go on vacation. Okay. The, the next one, we'll, we'll right, be sure you. to do it. Uh, so Ben, you, you're you 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 own. You own book clubs. So why don't you start us off? The Everything Store. Well, I, actually, this was uh, Spencer's choice, so I would turn it over to him to, to, get, <laughs> to give a little backdrop here. Okay. All right. Well, um, fascinating story. The physical book on Amazon.com where you can buy everything or almost everything. And it is the story uh, from the genesis, actually from the, the childhood of Jeff Bezos up to almost today of the most dynamic talked about retailer on the planet, pretty much, certainly in the country, Amazon.com. It's an interesting story, warts and all. I did not know a lot about the early days of the business and uh, about Jeff Bezos. And it, it's very instructive. I think it does a, a, a good job telling you about his personality, what drives him, how he thinks, how he, he got to this, and how, how the, the idea was hatched. It's, it's very interesting. I also think what makes this book you know, very relevant is it's even more, I think, relevant. It came out in 2013, and it's even grown in more relevance, I think, um, today, especially this year. You know, We write about this a lot on, on, on Money, but you guys write a lot about it on The Herd. It's just the impact that Amazon is having across so many industries, You know, whether it's grocery stores, when they bought Whole Foods earlier. You saw... You you know, um, pharmacy. Uh, you know, you know the drug makers. You know, are, uh, get hit earlier, like CVS and Walgreens get hurt, uh, hit earlier um, last week, just because you know. There was a story saying Amazon has got an approval to sell, uh, you know, drugs. I mean, there's constantly like Amazon's impact on this uh, on uh, so many industries has just grown and continues to grow. And, and I think it's interesting that uh, this book sort of leaves off, I guess, end of 2013, beginning of 2014, where Amazon has sort of transformed itself from this underdog upstart trying to take on all the big retailers to now it's sort of like the dominant company in its industry, and it sort of becomes somewhat of a villain. Sort of jump to the other side and. And I think it seems like that was sort of the beginning of what Amazon has become, and it's only really accelerated since then as stock prices gone up an extraordinary amount since then and market cap is huge and right it's 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 now branching into more and more industries and now owns Whole Foods which right. was a company that I think uh, was cited as one that Jeff Bezos was sort of a fan of and one, one of these great great managed companies is now now he owns it and also it, it's interesting and and, and and Brad got into this you know Brad Stone the author got into this a little bit in the book is just you saw like Amazon feels like at this moment very much like I me mean, Walmart 20 years ago when everyone was talking about how Walmart has impacted the mom and pop and 
and Main Street of America, and today that's Amazon. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to talking to Brad a little bit about this. I mean, it, it's funny to ask in a in a book called The Everything Store what what he thinks might be underplayed. But given what we know since the book came out, I'm curious as to what Brad would have uh, amped up in some of the coverage. We, in our Bonds coverage, uh, have a lot of discussion about Amazon's impact on inflation. I think, uh, I mean, w- one thing that's interesting about this is, I mean, you really do get a window window into Jeff Bezos, who we know and think a lot about him as people who, who you know, write about the markets and such. He's sort of a mysterious guy, I think. Some of his interesting personality traits probably really shine through here. So you have his volatile temper is, is something that seems to be pe- something that people really seem to remember about him. People who quit decade decade ago still talk about being in meetings with him where he just dresses them down, and it, it's sort of interesting that, that that's how that's who's running this company. I happen to be in a different book club. Sorry, guys, I'm cheating on you. You know, with uh, <laughs> a bunch of people who who aren't journalists. I'm the only journalist in the club, and they're mostly like hedge fund managers and stuff like that. I got into it through a friend, and uh, those guys are uh, it's a very interesting bunch, and if if you bring up Jeff Bezos in, in their company, he is one of the two or three people in the world they they most admire, you know, as a kind of mm-hmm. as a capitalist. And, you know, I used to roll my eyes a little bit because they brought him up so frequently. And they, they mentioned this book, but other things as well. I mean, it's like Jeff Bezos, Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett. Those are the sort of, it's the holy trinity for them. And uh, I can see more what they what they mean. I mean, he is a, a brilliant guy. He's not a maybe the most personable guy or the pleasant guy to, to work with. He's not warm and cuddly, but he you know, he isn't, he didn't just wasn't isn't just a guy who was in the right place at the right time. We had the right idea at the right time. I mean, this this thing he's very extremely determined and uh, and I would say even ruthless in uh, in the way that he developed this business. It definitely seems to be sort of a cult that's built up around him. It, it's pretty well formed by the end of this book. Some uh, conversation of Zappos, the the online shoe brand, and I guess the two guys that started that called him Sensei. Th- this was how they referred to him. He was well known to them well before he knew who they were. So it's. Uh, it's definitely a cult. It's a Warren Buffett light, I guess, in some in some circles. At the same time, he's a real comes off as a real brawler. Like he's fighting five front battles, six front battles at all times. It's just sort of exhausting to read about. He's fighting the government, Walmart. Well, is that crazy? Uh, have you guys seen that? Those two pictures of him that are him, you know, twenty years ago and him two months ago or something, <laughs> and it became this sort of viral meme where twenty years ago he was a really skinny, nerdy-looking guy, and then there's this picture of him, and he's, he's literally. He's arms are jacked and he's dark and you know he looks like the Terminator or looks like a Terminator or whatever like Optimus Prime right Optimus yeah yeah, yeah. thank you Jesus thank you someone for agreeing with me <laughs> I didn't even think it was that much of an observation really I mean these guys could have all just said oh yeah you're right about that that's true alright good God when we come back more about the everything store with author Brad Stone this is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal This message is brought to you by Nuveen. Nuveen has provided investment excellence for 125 years. A lot has changed, but one thing that remains constant, including the different types of durable income in portfolios, can help investors meet their goals. With expertise across income and alternatives, Nuveen continues to expand its capabilities while maintaining its legacy as a leading investment manager. Visit Nuveen.com to learn more. Investing involves risk. Loss of principal is possible. For a new podcast experience, subscribe to the Future of Everything podcast from The Wall Street Journal. Now on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. 
Welcome back to Money Beats Book Club. We are in the studio with Spencer Jacob, Ben Eisen, Aaron Kurloff, Paul and Steve here, talking about the everything store, Jeff Bezos and the Age of Amazon. It is a book that was written by Brad Stone, and Brad Stone joins us to talk about it. Brad, how are you? Hey, guys. Good. Thanks for having me on. So I think one question we're all kind of interested in is what has changed in the several years since you published this book? And if you were to do an update or another version of it or, you know, Everything Store 2, you know, what would you include? Yeah, you know, I've thought about that a lot. Uh, The fifth anniversary of the original uh, publication of the book is coming up, and I was thinking about updating it. Um, I mean, so much has changed. I just looked. The stock since publication day is up 252%. (laughs) So if only I'd taken my... My book advance and uh, just <laughs> Amazon stock, I would have been in good, good shape. Right. I did do a paperback update the following year, but I mean, so much has changed, right? Mm-hmm. And I try, when I write, you know, in my book writing about technology companies, I think about future-proofing it. You know, how can I how can I leave in the, the sure. reader in the epilogue kind of prepared for what's coming? And, you know, I did, you know, I, I remember one kind of phrase I have at the end of the book where I say that the, the, quest, the answer to every question with Amazon is yes. You know, will they get into groceries? Yes. Will they, you know, expand around the world? Yes, because they're a company of unlimited ambition. But, you know, I definitely could not have foreseen, boy, the, you know, the, the boom in Amazon Web Services, the cloud business, just five, almost $5 billion in revenue last quarter. The boom in, uh, in Alexa and Amazon's establishing itself as like an AI company. They had had a hard time with hardware, and they went and sort of lapped Apple and Google with uh, the first Echo and established Alexa as the kind of dominant home, you know, uh, assistant. And, you know, these are all things that, you, you know, you kind of want the book back because it's such a great story. At the same time, you know, at the time, Amazon was embroiled in this battle with the book industry, which now, in retrospect, seems, you know, very much drama from five years ago. So uh, a lot has changed. Brad, I want to go back to, and this is an anecdote you have early on in the story, and you, t- you talk about how um, Bezos basically has all the, you know, they don't do PowerPoint presentations. You, you write a, a press release, essentially, to pitch a product. And when you met him to talk about doing this book, you wrote a press release for the book. And I was just wondering if you could talk about that meeting and what you put into that press release. I was thinking about that recently because all the cities contending for Amazon's second headquarters, I kind of wish that one of, somebody had called me and I would have said, put your proposal in the form of a press release. <laughs> You'd be demonstrating how Amazon internally operates and thinks. And, and the idea with this custom inside the company, and by the way, all meetings start off by everyone sitting in silence and reading a six-page document. Uh, it's just how they conduct meetings. And when a new product is initiated or a new, a new new program, in fact, probably the hunt for the second headquarters started out this way, it's done in the form of a press release. And it's Amazon, you know, Amazon is, is you know, likes to say it's very customer oriented or customer obsessed. And so this is a way of starting every project from the end and kind of working backwards. How will the world see this when it comes out? And then they work backwards from there. And so I knew that back in probably 2011. And I also knew that there, you know, Jeff Bezos and his crew were secretive and wasn't a big chance that they would open up and welcome me in. Uh, but nevertheless, I had a pretty good relationship with them. So uh, at the time I had covered Amazon for the New York Times and then Bloomberg Business Week, and so you know, I told them I was doing this, and I got a meeting with Jeff. And yes, I came in and I presented the news of my book. It wasn't called the Everything Story, and I had a I had another title, but I basically had the press release for the book, and I <laughs> presented that to him at the start of our meeting, and he gave his signature hearty laugh, and then proceeded to sort of grill me about how it would go. <laughs> 
so you know, like it, it was. Uh, yeah, it was, I, I, the one thing I remember, I was quite nervous, as you were, as you could imagine, going to. You know, I already had the book contract, and then I was right. myself working backwards with, with the company, trying to get them to cooperate. Well, one question is following up on that uh, that anecdote from the beginning of the story. I mean, it seems like in, in the end they cooperated with you for the story. What did they think of the the book in the end? Because I mean, I, I guess I would sort of characterize it as it was an honest portrait. It seemed of Bezos. It, it wasn't entirely flattering. It, it, it accentuated the highlights, but also the lowlights. So curious w- what the reaction was. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, first to clarify, they, they, they kind of worked with me. You know, I never really sat down for long, penetrating interviews with Jeff himself. He, he speaks you know, he, he's he's far too careful with his time and his public pronouncements for that, but he let me talk to executives and family members. Hmm. And then the book came out and it was not received all that well. If you if you if you want to you can go to the my the Everything Stores page on Amazon and look through the reviews and you see lots of Amazon executives with you know one and two two and three star reviews, wow. including Andy Jassy, the president of AWS, and some other folks. Jeff's wife, very memorably and fa- and uh, famously, and to my own horror at the time, gave me a one star review. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that probably speaks a little bit to what their attitude was. Now I you know maybe over time you know the, and part of what they didn't like was the, the depiction of a culture that you know was punishing to a lot of people, and then subsequently. To the book coming out, you know, there was that article in the New York Times that painted a far bleaker picture, you know, and then, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know where, where it stands now. I, I feel like the book has stood the test of time. I've heard from a lot of employees who have read it. So, I don't know. I mean, I've certainly, I've seen, I've seen Jeff a couple of times, uh, you know, since then. And it's very amicable. So, I, you know, hopefully uh, that's all water under the bridge. Uh, actually, I, I, so I just got a, a Kindle and uh, I guess I'm about a decade late here. And <laughs> <laughs> I read the book on the Kindle, and you know, when I was looking this up to the, the book to buy it, there was a suggestion for another Amazon book right below it, and it just made me wonder. I mean, is I, this book I, I is obviously the same so? Thing. I had the same thing when I bought the physical book. It it, it doesn't really bring lead you to the book. And then there's another like Amazon, like like the story yeah. behind Amazon right next to it. So I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder yeah, if they, they tweak, tweak the, the algorithm. algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never saw any evidence of that, but certainly they. Do have a lot of power, but you know what? The, they have these physical bookstores. I think almost uh, more than a half a dozen now around the country, and and the everything store is in those bookstores. And you know they carried their collection pretty carefully, so uh, you know that says something. Yeah, you had covered Amazon for quite a while. What, like in doing the book, did you find? You know, what was the revelation that sort of surprised you the most? <sighs> Well, trying to think back. I mean, I you know, I the the reason I did the book was the intuition that, you know, there had been Apple books and Google books and Facebook books and here Amazon was graduating into the upper echelon and nobody had done it. Nobody had done it yet. Partly because people thought of them for a long time as a boring retailer and partly because they had they were so secretive and up in Seattle sort of remote from the, the bulk of the tech press. I always knew, watching carefully what you know, what an interesting and idiosyncratic company it was was. I guess I didn't really know much about, you know, Jeff the person. I didn't know much about his sort of dramatic early family life, which is a lot of that is in the book. 
you know, I did. I, I certainly didn't know, you know, how how combative some of those meetings could get. You know, challenging some people reported just could be for you know, particularly when tough decisions had to be made, or particularly when he felt like people weren't operating at the level that he expected. So all of that, the kind of first peek at like what life was like at Amazon, you know, su- surprised me. But you know, like tech, tech successful tech companies are often led by kind of challenging, difficult uh, leaders. And you have to you have to admire it because of all the first generation of internet companies, you know, that started in 1994, 1995. You know, they are all gone now, with the exception of Amazon. And not only has Amazon survived, but it has thrived. And you know, just recently, you know, Jeff became the richest guy in the world. It's it's, it's amazing. His ability. The other thing that I would just say that surprised me was his ability to completely reinvent himself. And you guys were talking about the, the picture of you know of him recently at the Aspen Summit and how everybody was joking that he looked like a, an action star. Right. But that's just a physical embodiment of something that's pretty broadly true, which is, you know, 20 years ago, he was kind of a, a geeky tech nerd fresh off Wall Street uh, who was starting a company, and it wasn't all that good of a manager. He wasn't all that savvy a technologist. And now he's all those things. In fact, he's probably the most brilliant entrepreneur of our age. So his ability to constantly reinvent himself is something that really kind of surprised me. Well, can I, I ask something? I mean, I think one reason that people People tend to read these books. I think this is a fascinating book for for anyone to read. One thing that makes these books popular, books about successful people in business or politics or, or what have you, is that they're seen as a template. That's a that's a flawed way of looking at things because if you look at say ten very popular books about people successful in politics and business, they're all different kinds of people. You wouldn't really act like Steve Jobs and expect to be one of the wealthiest men on earth. I mean, you know, he he's sort of he's brilliant and whatever, and you you can't necessarily be brilliant like him, but there was a bit of luck there. I mean, he kind of pushed things, right? Bezos almost, I mean, it, would you say that, you know, he, he presents more of a template than some of these other very successful uh, entrepreneurs today that we uh, we talk about, some of the wealthiest men, more power, most powerful men on earth? I think so. I mean, I always think of these books, that they succeed when they offer a little bit of self-help, right? People are reading them for a blueprint or, as you say, a template. And, you know, Bezos, you know, he, he thought so strategically about his career, about the business, how he, you know, hired the values that he propagated through Amazon and then how he kind of lived those values every day. But yeah, I mean, I think there's just a ton to learn from him. The way in which, he, I mean, he was so far-sighted, the way in which he established a very favorable relationship with Wall Street back when Amazon went public, you know, in 1997 with that first shareholder letter, how Amazon kind of continues to take advantage of it. It, it can seemingly, seemingly fail and investors don't care. So, yeah, I mean, I think if, if you're asking, like, is there a lot to learn, I definitely think so. In terms of, like, you know, do people read these books and then decide that, you know, great management is sort of being a jerk? I mean, hopefully, like, my portrait of Jeff is a little more nuanced than that, right? I mean, he... You know, he, he could be tough when he thought the company wasn't acting in the best interests of, of customers. I, I think maybe Steve was a little different, you know, in terms of, like, the archetype of just a jerk. But, you know, I do think, unfortunately, that has inspired a whole generation of leaders, you know, perhaps uh, with an example like this, the former CEO of Uber, who felt like they could run roughshod over their own organizations, and then that ended up right. pretty badly because, you know, uh, not everyone can beat Steve Jobs. Yeah, I know, Grocer, you, you've taken that management approach. <laughs> 
Yes, you I, really I, have. I, I believe on yeah, abusing yeah. you on, you on a regular basis. You and do. Ben, I often, <laughs> I often feel abused, and and I go home and I, I curl up in a ball in the corner and I say I can't go back tomorrow. I, any last questions for Brad Stone? I'm well, sorry. I guess just to just to end on um, on this. I mean, do you think that an Amazon of the future could be created today? I guess Amazon was created back in the 1990s when when the internet was a wide open terrain and sort of developed steadily over the last 20, 25 years. But is the next Amazon out there? That's a great question. And I, I think like, you know, any any humble tech CEO is going to go and say, of course it is. It's right around the corner. We have to be constantly uh, watchful and somebody's out there right now. But I don't know if I believe that anymore. I think that, you know, the big four tech companies, maybe the big five, are so powerful. They have so much cash. They're, they're generally extremely well run. You know, they can go and they can, you know, until maybe the antitrust climate changes in, in this country and around the world, it's going to be very hard for anyone to take them by surprise. You know, Amazon watches their competitors extremely closely. Just a good example recently, the, the blue uh, blue apron, which went public over the summer. And, you know, these little things that Amazon does, and who knows, maybe it's coincidental, but during Blue Apron's quiet period, you know, you had the acquisition of Whole Foods, you had news come out about Amazon uh, meal kit, a meal kit program. And, you know, and, and I chronicle a number of these kinds of things in the book where they find very creative ways to undermine uh, and eventually, you know, acquire or defeat competitors. And it's, you know, so it's such a aggressive company. It, you know, it has so, so many resources and all this leeway from its investors to go and compete and to acquire that. It's hard for me to see what, what any potential endgame is for Amazon. I think you know, we're looking at a company that will one day overtake Walmart in terms of revenues, and probably it's fairly unstoppable unless, you know, we, we have a big kind of change in the regulatory climate. So hard, hard to imagine how Jeff Bezos's empire gets undone, uh, other than maybe one day him, you know, moving off. You know, you have a change with a more professional CEO who might be bound by some of the, you know, traditional laws of, of gravity and of Wall Street. Yeah. Brad Stone is senior executive editor for technology at Bloomberg News, and he is the author of The Everything Store, Jeff Bezos, and The Age of Amazon. Brad, thanks for coming on this show. We really appreciated it. Thanks, guys. I really enjoyed it. And everyone, thank you for listening. As always, we appreciate your time. We will talk to you soon. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.